Hello, welcome to another episode of my IB Notes podcast. Today we're discussing geography, um, section 4.1.1 and 4.1.2. I apologize prematurely in case my microphone is not working properly. It is seems to be cutting out and just making weird noises anyways i'm not gonna like buy a new one or fix it so just suck it up okay so getting straight into it so subtopic 4.1.1 is all about global interactions and global power so this first part is about the levels of globalization um so levels of globalization can be measured to show what extent countries participate in global interactions Levels of globalism vary throughout history, yet globalization is not inevitable, nor is it universal. Some nations and cultures seek to limit interactions with the world, whereas others are isolated by human or physical factors. Considerable spatial variation in levels of globalization. Some countries can be considered cores of global reactions with high volumes of reactions. So the cores um, is basically where a lot of trade happens. It's kind of like the core and periphery. It is exactly the core and periphery of like cities and stuff. Um, And then some countries can be considered peripheral, uh, which is periphery or semi-periphery with low volumes of global interactions. Globalization is reversible. Many countries may become less globalized, both absolutely and relatively through time. The possible rise of protectionism in the USA and Brexit, with the UK leaving the United European Union, sorry, it's not United, um, may see both countries becoming less globalized uh, if their global interactions diminish. Globalization can be defined in many ways, being only economic or the primary, secondary, tertiary, or quaternary structures of an economy start operating internationally. Companies growing in such a way are referred to as transnational corporations, TRCs, or multinational enterprises, MNEs. A quick note, protectionism is the implemented governmental policies aimed at protecting jobs and industries from foreign imports that may be cheaper than home-produced goods. Going back to what we were saying before, um, we were talking about Ford Motor Company, which is an example of a transnational corporation or a TRC. It was founded in 1903 by Henry Ford in Michigan, and then they became one of the first T- transnational corporations, if not the first, in 1911 when they opened an international factory in Manchester, England. Um, Trans, the Ford Motor Company, expanded throughout the 20th century, and it now has operations in 90 countries with over 25,000 workers. It created the Fordism ideology, where the practices of the business made it successful, and many businesses that aspire to become a transnational corporation kind of look up to or use that ideology. Next, we're looking at global interactions. So global interactions consider economic exchanges, but they put a greater emphasis on the social, cultural, and political interactions as well. It it is suggested these complex but may be subtle two-way interactions in which cultural traits or commodities from one place may be accepted into another place. They may be adopted or resisted by the recipients and the givers. The next thing that we are taking a look at is the KOF, Index of Globalization. 
I actually did not write down what KOF stands for, so I'll probably like say it at the end or something. So it defines globalization as the process of creating networks among, among all participants of globalization at multi-continental differences. It is calculated annually and countries score on a 0 to 100 scale, 0 being the lowest level, 100 being the highest level of globalization. This considers both non-economic and economic aspects of globalization. The index measures globalization levels on three different dimensions. The first dimension is economic globalization, which accounts for 36% of the score given. The second is political globalization, which accounts for 27% of the score given. And the last and third one is social globalization, which accounts for 37% of the score. These are then divided into sub-indices. So globalization, economic globalization, is divided into the volume of cross-border trade, foreign direct investment, FDI, and other revenues. The number of restrictions on trade, such as import tariffs and non-tariff barriers. Political globalization is divided into the number of foreign embassies and high commissions within a country, the number of international organizations, of which a country is a member, um, the number of U.S. peace agreements signed, and the number of international agreements a country has signed as well. Lastly, social globalization is divided into cross-border direct interactions between individuals and the size of a foreign population. Cross-border formation flows measured by internet access and foreign media consumption. The last one is cultural proximity, so how close a society is to the quote-unquote global mainstream. The last part of section 4.1.1 is looking at an outline of the strengths and limitations of KOS scale. So the strengths are it has a good overview of globalization, it allows quantifiable comparisons over time, it considers a large number of variables, the sub-indices are strongly emphasized with cultural interactions, and data is sourced from reliable institutions. The negatives are the values may be inaccurate and outdated as they are um, as data is constantly changing and you can never have something completely accurate. The there's too much emphasis on letters and not enough emphasis on emails and social media. The cultural proximity is only measured using Western retailers such as IKEA and McDonald's. Economic, political, and social dimensions are not given equal weighting, which could sway the score a lot. Now we're on to 4.1.2, global superpowers. A global superpower is a nation or a group of nations that is able to project dominating power and influence anywhere in the world. The characteristics are of a superpower are that it is a large population, it has extensive natural resources, it has large territorial area, which means it has a lot of land mass that belongs to said country. They have strong a strong domestic economy and a high level of industrialization. They have military power and a strong currency and capital. All of those can create a superpower, which then creates military influence, political and cultural influence, and economic influence over the nation or nation that it holds. The next thing in this chapter is a quick history of superpowers. 
So for this, we are specifically looking at the United States of America and the USSR. So throughout 1914 to 1945, the First World War happened in 1914 to 1918. So during this, the USA declined and the USSR emerged and became increasingly powerful. Then, a couple years later, World War II saw the rise of USA and USSR both, extending its, and USSR extended its influence over West, Eastern Europe. Then, through the late 1940s and early 1990s, they engaged in a Cold War, and they competed in the political sphere, allying various nations around the world. The USSR consolidated its dominance over Eastern Europe in the Warsaw Pact group of nations, while the USSA became a largely influential member of the North Atlantic Treaty Organization, or NATO. By late 1991, economic stressors throughout Eastern Europe proved to be too much, and the USSR was replaced by Commonwealth of Independent States, CIS, with Russia at its head. This left the USA the sole global superpower. It has been suggested that Russia is a potential future superpower, though, as we can see from current trends. The last thing in this chapter is the KOF scale. So for this, I've chose USA and China. We are looking at their overall KOF index, their economic dimension score, social dimension score, and political dimension score. Um, we will be saying the rank out of 100 the score is out of 100, sorry, and the rank is out of 184, so 184 countries. And I should note that these rankings are from 2016, so they will not be accurate today. The overall KOF index, USA scored 75.71 and got 31st, and China got 60.73 and they ranked 73rd. For the economic dimension score, the USA ranked 59.40th, and they ranked 89th in the world. China got a score of 49.97, and they scored 126th. USA for social dimension score got 79.15, and they ranked 28th, whereas China got 53.32, and they ranked 87th. For the political dimension score, the USA got 92.19 and ranked 16th, and China got 84.81, and they ranked 47th. 